0: Welcome to the Revital Love Podcast, I'm Jodie Duval, and I'm a functional naturopath in Perth, WA. This is a place where you can expand your knowledge on how to optimize your health and realize your Podcast I'm talking with Healthy Home expert Nicole Belsmer. She's a building biologist, best selling author, PhD candidate, and CEO of Australian College of Environmental Studies. She established this in 1999 to educate people about the health hazards in the built environment. So, Nicole is a former naturopath and acupuncturist and has lectured at tertiary institutions for 30 years. She's also published in peer-reviewed journals, has written extensively for body and soul and is regularly consulted by the media to discuss mould, electromagnetic fields and toxic chemicals. She lectures in Australia and abroad about environmental health issues and Nicole has conducted almost 30 interviews on every major television network and numerous radio interviews. Nicole and her husband Mark manufacture the Abode cleaning product and it's your body personal care range which was developed for people with skin and chemical sensitivities. The importance of the environment on our health needs to be brought to your attention and this conversation I hope will give you insight into next steps and possibly some answers that you may have been looking for. Hi Nicole, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today and um, for your time. I really appreciate your time. Uh, So today we're going to be talking about the environmental impact uh, on health and we're going to run through lots about Uh, environment obviously and also you've got a beautiful book that I've um, just finished actually healthy home I've I've had it for some time but I've actually just finished healthy home healthy family Uh, and it's a resource that I recommend anyone to have in their home in their clinic uh, and as a a practitioner as well to know all this information so to start with let's have a little chat about you and how you got into it and why you're so passionate about environmental medicine
1: Sure. Well, two events happened in my life that changed the course of the way I practice as a naturopath and acupuncturist, noticing very strong correlations between many of my patients with illnesses like asthma, allergies and chronic fatigue syndrome. Many of them will be talking about the mould or damp smell in their homes by the third or fourth consultation and made me start thinking about, well it's interesting, so many of them have the same symptoms and mentioning mould, which of course they had no idea about, despite doing eight years at university and studying you know, in China to do work in the TCM hospital there as an acupuncturist. Um, but it wasn't until my husband and I moved into our first home in Warrandyte that we developed insomnia, didn't sleep very well. And I was a great sleeper prior to that. And then subsequently had 10 miscarriages in the house and the, um realised that there was something going on. No one was able to help us while I was miscarrying. We went to the recurrent miscarriage clinic, didn't qualify for IVF because I got pregnant easily. And the neighbour said no one had successfully had children in the house, even though it was sixty years old. So wow. I realised when I started to look that that our symptoms began when we moved into this home, lovely home on half an acre on bush along the Yarra River, and um, we were sleeping near the meter, right next to the meter panel, high electromagnetic field. Which of course at that time there were a handful of studies on fifteen milligauss and higher miscarriage risks. that's since exploded. Uh, we're also living above geopatic stress, I had a dowser come in and check a couple of stressors immediately under the bed. We also had the council used to come in and spray our blackberry bushes with all the glyphosate and organophosphates. And it, and we were right next to a teen detection so there were high levels of traffic related air pollutants coming up through the garage into our master bedroom which took three hours to dissipate as I started to get all the air quality equipment and test. So it was really, well, we spend so much time in a home and yet practitioners and doctors are not trained on how the environment is impacting human health and yet it is the number one cause of root causes of almost every autoimmune disease that I see. I can't tell you how many patients I see with MS that it's mold, where there's dampness in the house. It's just so prolific. So um, I feel excited 30 years down the track after studying naturopathy that I'm finding a lot closer to understanding why people are sick and it's right in front of our noses
0: yeah i couldn't agree more with you and the more and more you're in practice and the more i'm in practice and even talking to students at endeavor and um understanding that they they aren't taught this <clears throat> they aren't taught this in college and they aren't taught this a lot um and that's why i think it's so important and i'm so passionate about it as well and that's why i'm really happy i have you on here and having a chat about it it really needs to be brought to people's attention so you're also the, the ceo of australian college of environmental studies and you're you're teaching um, practitioners and doctors and all sorts about this as well. So um, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, all right, so let's, get, let's dive into it. what sort of hazards, and I know you've mentioned a few that you found that were in your home and that was impacting your health and um, obviously the health of your pregnancies. Um, what sort of hazards in the home do we really need to be aware of? And let's, let's sort of go into that. Well,
1: mould is the number one um issue that we're called in for or in fact that's not true fatiguing illnesses and autoimmune diseases a lot of the integrative doctors who have speak at a lot of medical conferences in the last five years have made it my mission to upskill all the doctors integrative doctors on how to diagnose environmental sensitivities so we're starting to see a follow-through of more referrals to building biologists Mm. so that's really the last two decades what i've done is dedicated my life to establishing an industry building biology uh, and my army of women at the ground level who are going into these people's homes and testing the homes to see if they're making them sick. And 99% of the time, they certainly are.
0: Mm. Mold is
1: definitely the biggest hazard that we see. For example, last Friday I was in Perth doing a mold testing course. 90% of my cohort are trades, BHP, Department of Infrastructure, trades, um, electricians, plumbers, mold remediators coming to come into the course, and, at, and building biologists. And the house that we audited even though I only find them on Facebook and say, who wants their house done? Who thinks this house is making them sick? So this woman who has these chronic fatiguing illnesses and her nine-year-old has been diagnosed with psychiatric illnesses, which is just ridiculous. Um, Just got the lab results back yesterday afternoon and high levels of fungal particulate. Like you need to get out with just the clothes on just get out of that house. You couldn't see or smell mold, Mm. but uh, when you look closely in a train as a building biologist, you can see instantly how the house has high risk of, of condensation issues. You've got high levels of, of um, clutter. You've got gutters that are, have positive fall in the house where the water is actually going into the roof void, and it's designed that way. You've got inadequate drainage. You've got evaporative cores that aren't working properly and have never been serviced in 30 years. Um, and when you do the testing, start looking closely with your moisture mapping, it's the tree This is why you're sick. All your symptoms began when you moved into the house. You've been here 15 years. The child has clinical depression, nine. When I see kids with psychiatric illnesses that aren't due to post-traumatic stress or abuse, I always think mould. And I can't believe how many kids I see under 10, diagnosed, who've seen psychiatrists, that it's just mould. And the reason is because mould creates all these chemicals, mycotoxins, endotoxins, bacteria do, and of course microbial VOCs, the chemicals that are trying to kill each other off. So what mold does when it's exposed to moisture is it produces chemicals to try and take over the space and kill off the other microbes. You're in the way when it's your house and you're inhaling all of these toxins that affect the central nervous system and ultimately demyelinate a lot of these sheets around the nerves and end up with like MS symptoms, Alzheimer's like symptoms that are actually due to biotoxins and because the biotoxins clog all the detoxification pathways, namely phase two, all your uh, catecholamines and your neurotransmitters use the same pathway. So over time, these kids develop anxiety, depression, worst case scenario, psychosis. Because it's a detoxification issue, the neurotransmitters can't get through and be detoxed. So half-life in the half-life in the body and the brain is much higher. When you take a thorough history, you actually notice as they're out of that environment and then provide with appropriate treatment and binders, that they actually go in reverse order of symptoms, that they're getting better based on Heinemann's law of cure. So I think these are basic principles we need to train our naturopaths and and GPs that when they take a proper exposure history, the patient will regress in reverse order as a showing, as a sign of healing. And, and that's really important. So as part of my PhD, creating an environmental exposure history with my professor, Mark Cohen, in order to uh, launch it to the world for people to actually do it and see if there are correlations between visible mild, electromagnetic fields, chemicals in the environment, their lifestyle habits, and, of course, um, their symptoms. Because I really feel like we we've, we've focus so heavily on treating symptoms, both in naturopathy and, and medicine, that we've forgotten to address the root cause of the illness. Absolutely.
0: Um, And a lot of people don't even uh, realise that it is a a massive part in my intake form. Myself, I've put in there chemicals, exposure, mould. People say no, then you ask questions and you ask more and exposure and what that is. And then they realise, oh, wow, that, that is actually an issue. Um, yes absolutely so just touching touching base on on testing um what what do you recommend testing wise for people to get an idea of uh insight you know obviously in their body what mold uh exposure is as well as chemical exposure as well as um even heavy metals if you wanted to touch on that that sort of thing so you mean testing the patient or testing their home testing the patient. Um, testing the home we, we can get into definitely but let's start on testing the patient.
1: That's a huge question and okay. it depends on the, on the hazard but um, and I haven't been in practice for oh, since twins were born 13 years ago. Okay. However um, I interviewed the top 17 environmental doctors around and published that paper two years ago to look at how they assess toxic load, environmental chemicals in their patients. And these doctors are in Australia and New Zealand and they specialise in patients with chronic fatigue syndrome and multiple chemical sensitivity. So I asked them lots of questions about what's the best clinical tool, what's the best testing, lab tests, And in the end, they all agreed on one thing, that the most useful clinical tool available to a practitioner is an environmental exposure history, and that none of them had been trained how how to take one, that they've just learnt the hard way over two or three decades, and that it takes 90 minutes to take a proper history. Because if you don't ask the right question, you never actually see that correlation. Um, In terms of tests, there's so many tests available, but one of the best is through Great Plains Laboratory on the OATS test um, in order to pick up markers that can relate to yeast metabolites because a lot of mold creates inflammation in the body and a lot of those inflammatory markers um, you can't test as a naturopath because you don't have access to those tests which is a problem, but VCS test is certainly useful. Visual contrast sensitivity test. I test mm-hmm. is 10 minutes. It's awesome as a screening tool. Mm-hmm. And ironically, the VCS test was used for MS in the sixties and seventies as a screen tool to diagnose MS ironically. Mm. So I think that's interesting. Um, and also for chemical sensitivities. Uh, but the, the big one for sure, in terms of testing is identifying those inflammatory markers in the past I think why mould's been missed is because we're expecting to see the mould in the body, whereas what we're realising is that it's the inflammation it creates, this low-grade systemic inflammation that's causing all the neurological effects, the fibromyalgia, chemical sensitivity, the sleep disturbances, the increase in gut permeability. Like these patients start developing gut intolerances and food intolerances that have got nothing to do with their food. It's actually increased permeability of the gut because of, melanocyte-stimulating hormone, and vasoactive intestinal polypeptide, which have been suppressed by inflammation in the brain from the mould. Mm. So we've started realising there's a huge cascade of events when people are exposed to mould and that certain genotypes, one in four people, can't create antibodies to these antigens in a water-damaged environment. And this results in inflammation in their brain, which has multiple impacts on their gut, their skin, their respiratory tract, um, every part of their body. And they end up with these MS-like symptoms, Alzheimer's-like symptoms, and misdiagnosed as chronic fatigue. So it is complicated how that's diagnosed and the blood tests required and neuroquant MRI required. You really need to see an integrated doctor to diagnose that. Mm. But one of the best things that can happen, like in the patient last week in Perth, is the naturopath said, Uh, These symptoms are so similar to mold, you need to get it checked by a building biologist. And once we went in there and got those lab results, we said, get out. And that's the best thing. Get them out of that environment Mm. or get it remediated, which will be very difficult to do without spending tens of thousands of dollars because every surface has to be wiped. The evaporative cooler needs to be replaced. Um, The gutters, the way the house was built, is is designed to cause
0: water damage. So. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah, you definitely see some, um, I, I, would, I would say that the symptoms are sort of very widespread and see, can be, like you say, more severe in some people. Um, and I, I myself have seen someone who has lost uh, movement of legs. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen anything very similar to that. So a breakdown of um, ability to move um, sort of, uh, yeah, legs being put into a wheelchair. Um, And that was from mould exposure itself as well. So it can be quite severe. Um, Yeah, it's awful. If that stays long
1: enough, it's not reversible because of the neurological deficit. So you need to get onto it. We need to get practitioners to diagnose much more quickly and really take an exposure history to even identify the potential root cause. Mm. Because what we're focusing on is diet, which is fair enough, most people's diet can definitely be improved. Diet gives us the resilience to deal with the environment. Problem is that people's diets so poor and processed food. It doesn't provide the antioxidants to deal with the toxicants that we've exposed to in the last three, in the last two generations. Pesticides, especially, are just shocking on human health. And of all the chemicals, um, environmental chemicals we're exposed to, pesticides would have to be my number one worst because they're antibacterial, which means they're anti-human because you are bacteria. Mm-hmm. So um, that is a big problem. And each generation is. And pre-polluted with more and more of these pesticides which are coming through the breast milk through the placenta because they're lipophilic so we have these what we call transgenerational effects and they're going from one generation to the other before they're even born so it, it's devastating and that's why we i believe we have a pandemic or worldwide epidemic on neurological disorders like um, autism learning behavioral disorders alzheimer's parkinson's ms autoimmune diseases it's pesticides is is the one thing that really worries me most
0: yeah yeah um, me too (laughs) um so let's just go on to then quickly about reducing exposure to these obviously you've said with the mold you you either remediate or you get out um exposure to pesticides what what's your recommendation for people in regards to that
1: well obviously try and go organic the only Mm. problem with that that i'm finding this is only anecdotally is that on organic food they use copper sulfate pentahydrate so i'm finding higher levels of copper in a lot of my my hippies who are really health conscious um and having these zinc related issues because mm. the organic foods they still use they still use chemicals but they're, they're metals which is not strictly well copper is a pesticide actually it's an algicide. so in order to produce organic food at a farming level, they need to use something, and a lot of them are using copper sulfate. So I'm having an issue with that as well. I think to grow your own veggies, if it's even viable for you to do that, mm. reduce your chemical load, take your shoes off before you get into the house where you're tracking into the house because, of course, the, pestis, the council spray tons and tons of pesticide outside. Mm-hmm. Air filters are really important. Water filters are critical. As I say in all my lectures, if you don't get a filter, your body will Be the filter. Be the filter. Absolutely. I was so, going to ask you, know, you about water in a minute. Absolutely. Water. Look, I think before we even look at diet, I say to my naturopaths when I'm training my naturopaths, what you really want to do is first without air, you're dead in minutes. So let's start on air quality without water, you're dead in days to weeks. Let's get then get onto water. And then with food, you know, it takes weeks before you actually die. Mm. So the priority in naturopathy should be what is all the things that impact air quality? What are all the things that affect water quality? But, of course, those two things are completely ignored. Mm. And we focus heavily on diet, which is important, but it's not the most important. And that's why I think it's critical that we start shifting the awareness of taking a proper environmental exposure history to identify many of these hazards that our patients are exposed to on a daily basis, often in their home and often because they're buying products they have no awareness of, that are incredibly toxic, but they assume they're safe because they're them from the supermarket shelf and they think they've been tested. <sighs>
0: totally agree. Totally agree. So water, let's just get to that. Cause I get a lot of questions about water and I'm very passionate about water myself. Um, There's so many different filters out there. What's your ideal? I know here in Perth we've got Apostle Water, which is um, the spring water that's been filtered and you can get it delivered. So what options do you normally give people for water and what's the best and and what's the minimum?
1: It depends. So in my book, there's a whole chapter on drinking water, and it depends on the source. So whether it's uh, bore or well water, which is the worst because you can't control it and should be tested regularly. Mm. Um, Tap water, which of course has other uh, contaminants from fluoride and aluminium as a flocculating agent, um, to things like chlorine. Chlorine is of course an antibacterial. You should never be ingesting chlorinated water because of course it could impact your gut microbiome, where your immune system starts, and that's where your health begins. So You know, a naturopath, I don't think they're doing their duty of care if they're not first addressing the drinking water issue because what's the point in taking a $40 probiotic if they're drinking with chlorinated water?
0: And that's the the
1: revolution I had, you know, five years into practice, going, what the hell am I actually doing? I've been trained to treat symptoms um, that have less side effects because my herbs and supplements have less side effects. But the reality is it really hit me hard that... What I thought I had learned naturopathy and what I wanted to learn was very different. Mm. And I had to really retrain myself because I realized I'm just getting shopping bags full of stuff that the patient may or may not need. And what has become really evident is many of these patients with these mold and chemical sensitivities, they can't even take supplements because their detoxification pathways are so clogged that you're just exacerbating that with a vitamin. Um, so it's critical that we start retraining and start. The first year should be an entire subject just on environmental exposure history and why you ask these questions and what the downstream effect of that is. Like the age of the house tells us so much about the hazards in the house. You know, from lead and asbestos, potentially water damage, uh, pesticide exposure, building materials, creosote carcinogens, formaldehyde, all that sort of stuff. Um, and that should be well understood as a clinician. Um, but I guess that's the thing is that many of us go out, the attrition rate is very high in naturopathy, unfortunately, even though you spend so much on your four-year degree and spend so much of your time studying it. And then you realise you don't have the knowledge or the skills to actually help many of these really tricky patients with these complex autoimmune disorders. So for me, I mean, as I said, I've been doing this for, what, 30 years ago I studied naturopathy um, to really try and understand, Oh, cancer, I was obsessed with cancer, why we word cancer, mm. but more importantly there's chronic illnesses and I think I'm so much closer now to understanding what's going on it's right under our nose in our home where we spend 90 percent of our time
0: yeah absolutely no it's really good insight and I think it's really important for, for training people and also training the consumers with um and books like yours I think that's really really important for them to be reading and actually bringing themselves up to speed so um I want to touch quickly on EMF um, well, not quickly, <laughs> as much time as you want to spend on it, um, explain a little bit more about EMF. We've got 5G coming out, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of um, information that people are getting exposed to at the moment and knowing what's right, what's um, incorrect, what's your, what's your perception on that?
1: I'm doing my PhD on the impact of radio frequencies on brain and sleep function just about well in the last year now. So I did a randomised control trial analysing the data. Um, Electromagnetic fields is really complicated. There are two fields that the World Health Organization classified as possibly carcinogenic to humans. That's a magnetic field and radio frequencies used in all your wireless technology, including your cell phones. so it's really important in a house, you don't want to be anywhere near, spending time near anything that draws current. So you don't want your bed on the other side of the wall of a fridge where the motor's going on and off. You don't want it near a meter panel or smart meter. You don't want it near an inverter from solar panels. You don't want it near a pool pump. You don't want it near a lift or an elevator, anything or switchboard that draws current. The second one is you don't want any wireless technology in your bedroom, routers, cell phones, etc., because they're emitting radio frequencies 24 seven. And especially your cell phones tuning into the nearest cell tower to tell you, you know, where you are. But more importantly, your dad, you know, it's pinging all the time when you've got notifications from your email and from, you know, everything, messenger, text, etc. So you don't want these devices in your bedroom. The major impact of electromagnetic fields on human health is actually well established. We know how these EMFs, both magnetic fields and radio frequencies, affect human health. Firstly, they suppress melatonin, which is the most important anti-cancer hormone you have. And of course it sets your circadian rhythm. It sets your reproductive health and and the onset of puberty. And of course it protects against cancer. So what happens long-term is that the melatonin is suppressed. So your ability to fight cancer significantly declines. but that happens over a long time. When you're exposed to radio frequencies for two hours or more per day, you're essentially suppressing melatonin, increasing that risk secondly you're increasing oxidative stress these electromagnetic fields significantly increase uh, free radicals in the body especially at a cellular level and that can result in low-grade systemic inflammation which is aging so it accelerates aging accelerates chronic illnesses most chronic illnesses are oxidative stress and inflammation and yet, yeah. we've complicated our training by giving these ridiculous boxes. This person has Parkinson's, this one has Alzheimer's, this one has irritable bowel, this one has this intolerance. It's just written nuts. Um, but it justifies giving different drugs to different people that they often don't need. And this polypharmacy approach what we should be doing is identifying what's causing the inflammation and oxidative stress in the patient, um, what are all the triggers of that, and how to reverse it by making making sure they're not continually exposed and, more importantly, help to dampen that inflammation through supplements and herbal medicine and other things like that and a good diet. I've got completely off track, so I can't... EMFs, that's right. (laughs) That's
0: good. You're still on track.
1: Oxidative stress, it can indirectly cause cancer by causing what we call single and double DNA strand breaks. So it doesn't ionise the cell like um, X-rays and cosmic radiation and nuclear bombs. The way in which it increases cancer risk is not just suppressing melatonin, but causing oxidative stress and DNA strand break. So that's really well established in the scientific literature uh, about how electromagnetic fields affect human health. So, um, you know, when people say there's not a lot of data, that's actually not true. There's over a thousand studies just on oxidative stress alone, uh, and we know it suppresses melatonin. So the problem with EMFs is that it potentiates the impact of mould and chemicals in the body, because the Third way it can affect the body is it enhances the permeability of the blood-brain barrier. So when you increase the permeability of the blood-brain barrier, the mould that you're inhaling, the chemicals you've got through your food and your house is actually getting free access into the central nervous system. So what we now know is a lot of the symptoms of electromagnetic sensitivity are identical to chemical sensitivity and mould sensitivity, and that's why as a building biologist when we're assessing a house, you can't just put your hat on for mould testing. You're also looking at how much pesticides do they use, how many perfumes do they put on their body what crap do they put on their body uh, what chemicals are they using around the home etc because you can't separate them you have to look at the entire toxic load all of the electromagnetic field exp- exposure as well as mould.
0: Mm. absolutely okay well that's really good thank you now i know you just touched on melatonin what about lighting what's your opinion on lighting yeah. so blue light way- you know red light Absolutely. One of the worst
1: things we did with this green movement, which is what I talked about in the first chapter of my book, is greenwashing. Now, mm. I, am, I would say I'm a greenie, but so many ridiculous decisions have been made about the home, eight-star energy-rated homes that are now full of condensation and mould within their first year. Like, quite an interesting amount of research on this by Tim Moore at the University of Tasmania. Mm. Um, but also you've got issues like well, there's no ventilation, which means your new furnishings from Asia are outgassing these flame retardants and formaldehyde, which are known carcinogens, have got nowhere to go. This is why mm-hmm. I live in my 1980s home um, that is ventilated, has vents in the walls so i can breathe it may not be completely energy efficient but it's a healthy home and that's really important so with lighting putting these leds that are emitting blue light is a disaster especially for children because it stimulates, it's stimulated suppressing malatone which affects their ability to get to bed which means their circadian rhythm is affected their reproductive system is affected their mood is affected ironically in my book the healthiest light we could have is the incandescent light bulb which is now banned yeah so
0: is yeah a crazy that crazy it is crazy crazy um and then you know there's all these um technologies so you've got you know your kindles your computers people on the computers all day you've got exposure into the into the eyes less sun exposure you know sun as well Top, uh sunscreens you know that that sort of thing that we now have got huge amounts of vitamin d deficiency what's your opinion That's on cool. sunscreen what's your opinion on sun exposure
1: well, we know sunscreen's the least reliable to prevent cancer. So yeah. I think what's first important is, I mean, you've got blue light filters you can use on your digital device if you have to work at night, and I do it quite mm. frequently. Absolutely. But, um, in terms of sun exposure, ideally watch the sunrise. Excellent way to entrain your circadian rhythm. Mm. Um, watch the sun is important. Um, having a lot of natural light, one of the first things I did when I renovated the home is I have natural light in every room so I don't actually need a light on. you know during the day i think that's that's a really important question to ask your patients if you you need a light on in any of the in your living spaces during the day because that's already a problem Mm -hmm. i see a lot of dark homes more moisture more condensation more mold and they're depressing whereas if you go into a home that's naturally light filled, it's very uplifting and enhances the mood so that's important insofar as um, lighting is concerned
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) sun exposure i guess people are are scared of the sun yeah a lot lot of a lot of uh fear about sun and exposure of sun and i always tell my clients in particular that you need to get safe exposure for ability to absorb and have the vitamin d there so and you can't cover up you don't need to be covering up at that that point in time but people are still saying oh but it causes cancer you know tell me more about that and i'm like well you need sun that's it
1: (laughs) Definitely, definitely, yeah. So morning sun, afternoon sun, and midday sun, where the hot, we've got a high UV index. Just look at the Bureau of Meteorology and see if there's a high UV index. You cover up. Sunscreen is completely unreliable. A lot of research on the fact that many of them are not broad spectrum. Many of them are completely ineffective. Mm. Um, so a hat, sunglasses, you know, covering up rashes, all that stuff is how what I do. With the kids are very rarely use sunscreen. If I do, I use zinc, which is really yuck because it's really it's sticky and tasty. <laughs> but it, effective so exactly. on my nose etc sun if i'm on our queensland holiday for example i'll use zinc because it, i know it works mm. yeah it's a pain to put on and it doesn't look great but it works and the rest will be covering up during midday sun and in the morning and afternoon It get that sun exposure it's really important for your health sun mm. good water good food healthy attitude is critical for vital for well-being
0: yeah definitely absolutely um okay so i i just wanted to touch quickly on um remedy remedy in, um allergies so I, I know allergies there's there's obviously there's mold there's multiple chemical sensitivity there's all sorts but if someone comes and says i've got allergies what can i do where do I start? Because allergies seems to be so common. Everyone's sneezing all the time, um, you know, even just in their home, outside. You've got all sorts of different allergies and I understand that. You've got pets and all that sort of thing. And it's all really well explained in your book, I know that. But um, is there anything that sort of steps that people take when they've got allergies and anything that then can help in terms of diet, supplements, that sort of thing?
1: Well, the most important diet supplements actually doesn't do much, as mm. i noticed years it's really what they're inhaling that's triggering the allergic response so you've got to control the dust in the house because the Mm -hmm. dust is where the allergens tend to be if it's pollen obviously you want to keep your windows and doors closed during the pollen season to stop it coming in and maybe consider getting an air filter Mm -hmm. is really important not drying your clothes outside if you're sensitive to pollens if it's due to dust mite that can be tricky one so you want to have you know relatively new mattresses they're not too old um, because they'll have a high levels of dust mite you want to get rid of all your carpets my daughter has dust mite allergy so I got rid of all the carpets and noticed that the smell in the house had left because it's it harbours all that dust and smell and wet stuff Etc. Um dust mite covers are really important to stop the dust mites coming through the mattresses and replacing pillows at least every 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, natural latex pillows is really useful for people with dust mite allergies. But the main thing is microfiber cloths, that you're actually collecting the dust with a damp microfiber cloth. So you're actually not moving it around. You collect it and then uh, put it down the drain. Okay, and, of course, yeah. a vacuum cleaner. You get a good vacuum cleaner with a HEPA filter, mm-hmm. high efficiency air filter it will trap all the allergens because it traps below 0.3 microns and all of your allergens start from 2 to 3 microns. Your hair on your head is one hair is about 80 microns in width. Um, Most of your allergens start at about 2 microns onwards. So a HEPA filter on your vacuum cleaner is critical because when you pull up that dust from the floor it's actually trapping it in the filter. Just Mm. make sure you replace the HEPA filter as often as possible. Okay.
0: okay so how it's often difficult. would you say so for the that's
1: hepa- I feel. well when you see breakthrough which is where it's not white anymore it's brown so it's coming sure. through the filter that's when you need to replace it they're about fifty dollars and it's as i say fifty dollars well spent because you know i could give fifty dollar tincture to my patient every month and get no, no results whereas a fifty dollar hepa filter every six months it's like if you don't get a filter your body will be the filter that's yeah. a cheap filter. and it's Absolutely. um. That's the sort of the advice. So I've moved away from diet when it comes to allergens, unless it's a food allergy. You find in aero allergens like dust mites, pollens, pet dander, uh, cockroaches, rodents, it's aeros. It's in the air. So you have to address what's going on in the house.
0: Mm, okay, that's, that's great advice. Thanks, Nicole. So um, just while we're wrapping up, I want to ask a bit of a personal note. So for you, what's sort of one thing that you do every day that um or or that you can't live without for your health or um to keep you happy i know it's hard to pick one thing but what would be the first thing that you pick
1: ah exercise i think exercising walking in in a relatively bushy area and um that's my filter is the plants i love connecting with nature um that's the main thing is really exercise as much as possible. I love doing flotations as well because I'm, I think I'm a type A personality and uh, <laughs> the only thing that stops my mind when I come out of a floatation tank, I can't think. It doesn't even allow me to think and I'm sort of like a bit of a zombie for the next three hours. So oh, absolutely I love that. Um, yeah. connecting with people who I aspire to be, like you become who you hang around with. You want people who aspire you to be the best you can be, who who live what they say um, is so important. And it's the same with the house. The house needs to vibrate at a frequency that lifts you mind, body and soul. So for me, it's a light field health, a healthy home. It's... Um, Got the colours and natural fibres like I've just had finally after all this time. Um, got a cabinet maker who's really passionate about his work to build my desk, my sideboard, my coffee table, my TV table. It's like he's put so much energy into it; you can just feel it when you look at it. I love it. So, you know, it's hanging around people who are passionate about what they do, and and surrounding myself
0: with it with my home, but also the people that I associate with. Beautiful. Amazing. Thank you very much. I'm going to end on that. And um, I really appreciate your time again, Nicole, and I know you have to head off now. So um, I hope to do this again with you uh, in the future and um, talk about all your studies and all your research as well again. So thank you so much. And until next time. Thank you so much. For listening to the Revital Health podcast, we hope you enjoy this episode. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Revital Health, as well as our website revitalhealth.com.au for upcoming podcasts, workshops, and speaking events. Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and it is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. Please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.